morning, everybody. The I Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Bible together out loud here again. Uh, joined today live by our special guest, Alfonso O. St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California. We are looking at Exodus chapter 19 today. I looked at 18 last time with that interaction between Moses and Jethro and just how it just shows how Moses is is not really the king. He's not really the guy um, who it's all about. It's a, there's a bigger picture. And today uh, that kind of continues as we look at Exodus chapter 19 now. And we're right here. This is the part that's right before uh, the Ten Commandments are going to be handed down by Moses. Uh, there's this preparation, and and you can't just skip over this. Um, this this revelation of the Ten Commandments. It's so important. It's so monumental. Uh, there, there there has to be some kind of preparation before you can receive it, and that tells you just what kind of thing it is. Are these just uh, you know good rules or you know helpful uh, things to live by, or is there more to it? Certainly, of course, there is. So yeah. Uh, let's uh, kind of hear from our guests a little bit here as we look at Exodus chapter 19. We're getting ready to read it. So, yeah, uh, I mean, th- this is this chapter that it, there's this preparation, and the preparation, I don't know, might strike us as a little a little bit weird, I think, from a modern perspective. You know, hey, if these Ten Commandments are so good, why, why are we, uh, you know, so strict about, you know, how, how they're proclaimed and if people are allowed to get near and all this sort of stuff? Yeah, Pastor AJ, thanks for having me again, and I uh, look forward to saying a prayer. Uh, may, may I? And then I'll respond again. Well, I typically do the prayer right before we actually do the reading. If, if, but I mean, in that it, case, let me say this. Okay. Um, so I, I love what you said. Uh, we're about to receive the Holy Word of Christ in in the uh, ten words coming up in Exodus twenty. Think of that in terms of the divine service. When the first of two peaks in the divine service is the proclamation of the word, but in the divine service, there's a preparation before we receive that holy word. And that preparation, as we well know, consists of the invocation and what? Confession and absolution. There is a um, God humbling us, making us low in confession. And then absolving us, as I know you're going to explain how the 10 words begin with gospel preparing right. us right. so that we may receive the Holy Word. Yeah, so I mean, I, that's really helpful because then when we look at this chapter, you know, we, we might think of it as very alien and we say like, okay, you know, camping in the wilderness out by a mountain and, you know, thunder and lightning and all this, and it, and it feels strange. But, but actually when we think of that, our own experience in the divine service, we think of, you know, like the pastor up there on the chancel. We think of uh, the communion rail even, right? I mean, in a lot of ways, we're thinking to ourselves, well, actually, there's a there's a pretty strong parallel. Absolutely. It, our divine service didn't just come out of the Reformation. <laughs> it comes out of beginning with the Old Testament. Certainly. I think that's a, that's a good perspective to have as we uh, take a look at this chapter. But yeah, without any further ado, let's go ahead and look at the chapter. Exodus chapter 19. And as we get started, please, um, would you say a prayer for us? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, your dear Son, our Lord, whose blood has covered all of our sins and whose resurrection has won the victory and has uh, in in Christ. And Lord, how 
the gift of your Holy Spirit given to us in our holy baptism. Now live as your people, your royal priesthood. As we read and study Exodus chapter 19, enlighten us, feed us, strengthen us, that we may go forth as your people on this new day, as we receive thy strong word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead then and look at this chapter, Exodus chapter 19. So this is the English Standard Version, and we kind of already talked a little bit about, you know, what we're going to expect and maybe some of the ways that things are similar. And uh, we'll be looking at those similarities and dissimilarities in some more detail. But for now, the chapter from the top. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called out to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You won eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my you shall have treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe. When the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them, and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for all things. Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. No hand, no hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and this whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you, 
but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. So it's really, there, there's quite the crescendo in this chapter, right? It just, um, you know, everything is indicating that things are getting louder and louder. God is coming nearer and nearer. Um, I think that as I read this, there's a, there's a few, you know, just in the context of reading the whole Bible, there's phrases like on the third day that, that jump out at you. Um, and then there's also just like things that, you know, there's like a trumpet blast, which, you know, again, is kind of suggestive, reminds me of Revelation. But on the other hand, you're kind of asking like, who's blowing the trumpet? I feel like there's kind of a lot of pieces here, especially kind of with this back and forth, like almost like negotiation almost between God and Moses, where God's saying one thing, the people are willing to do some things, unwilling to do others. Um, and, and I feel like you kind of have a sense of what's going on, like in the big picture, but kind of like how these details are working out. It, it seems like it can be kind of challenging our arms around it. What are, what are you thinking as you read books? Well, it, it, it's challenging because we're sinners and it's hard to understand uh, from that standpoint um, based on the limitations of the natural man, of course, um, and our noetic defects. But it's uh, it makes a lot of sense according to the new man, the new creation. And what I mean by that is we have here God um, is an incomplete control of what's happening. Divine service. We mean what we say. God is actually the one who is leading the service. And we are able to know how to respond. And that's what's happening here today. And you mentioned the numerology, uh, Pastor AJ. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, that third day of God coming down or truly he is with us out <laughs> is the day when Jesus, God incarnate, rose from the dead. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know that God is with us in Christ Jesus. And did you know that also... Uh, St. Augustine, uh, he talks about, if you do a little further search, um, the Passover that occurs on the 14th day of the first month, count the remainder of the days of the first month, add the second month, and then go uh, three days into the third month, you have 50 days. Hmm. Kind of like Pentecost, hmm. when there was fire at Pentecost, there's fire here again. Um, think of it as Augustine said, Fire the Holy Spirit upon the rock, who is Christ. God is revealing himself, setting the pace, showing himself, and leading the people. That's really interesting, considering the, the, the numbers there. I mean, and so that's, that's a, as good a segue as any to go back to the beginning of the chapter. So if we consider just the beginning of chapter 19, it does start with that very deliberately on the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. So, I mean, that is interesting that it is identifying this very particular time. And so, and so break down the math for me one more time. So now, cause this, we know that they go out in, in the month of uh, Aviv, which is said to be their first month, right? With like, he's given the instructions for Passover. So they go out during the third month. Um, and then, or during, during the first month rather. And then, so the third new moon after would be the fourth, would it, would it be the fourth month of the year? How does, how does that work for those of us who are 
not so keen on the lunar calendar? Well, you know, um, what I gathered from Augustine's note was, was simply this, that he refers to the Pascha of first, the 14th day of the first month. Right. And then he adds the whole second month leading up to the third month in which we are in this context. And now we're in the third day of the third month. Hmm. That time added together is 50. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess that's a little bit of a question because I guess the way that I'm just looking at it, of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. I mean, I, I guess that sounds like it would be the, the fourth month, but um, I don't pretend to be calendar expert. But I mean, that is really suggestive that there's like a Pentecost connection here. And well, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways too, just even thinking about um, Moses' own experience when he was out in the wilderness called by God, that was something like a, a Pentecost moment for him. Absolutely. That that he sees the, the fire, right? Uh, but it's a fire that doesn't consume. It's a fire rather that that purifies and and uh, gives gives boldness and charges, which is exactly the same sort of fire on Pentecost. So, I mean, I, I think that definitely uh, it's a connection that that you can see, kind of regardless of the the details of of the days. Um, what what is what is interesting though? Um, the other part of that, like regardless of the month, is that there is this three day period here, and that seems like it's supposed to be important by itself, right? That you know he goes up onto the mountain. Israel's left behind there. It says um, in verse two. So they're they're at the base of the mountain. Moses goes up, um, and then God gives these particular instructions just to Moses. And as as you were saying, it's about this this three day on the third day rather. So what's, what's that about? And what kind of significance would that have for them? Okay. So um, we have verse one on the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. Okay. So there's a third day. And then Moses. Uh, well, well, there's the there's the third new moon. The anyway. third new moon. Right. So there's so three. You know, we've we've seen three new moons after uh, Pascha, after after Passover. Okay. Um, and and then what we get here, it's uh, further down. Let me see. Let me get the verse pulled up here, so we're both looking at the same thing. Because um, this this is, I think, what you were mentioning with with Augustine, right? It says they're in verse eleven. Then, oh, verse eleven. Okay. And, and God's instructions to Moses. Oh, there it is. And and be ready for the third day, for on the third day, the Lord will on Mount Sinai. In the side of all, there's the third day mentioned, right? So we've had the three new moons, but now there's a, a third day. So particularly, what what of this about as it's connected to consecration? Well, I, I mean, it's a it's this is evoking just a ton of awe and mystery. Yeah. Okay. And and I think that when when I think of like, numerology is very important, and and it, we're right to consider numerology. It's all over the place. Uh, you would mention um, the Book of Revelation, right? Um, so numerology is everywhere. When I when I see third day, this is a number of mystery. It's a number. Now now remember when I say mystery, I I don't mean as in a whodunit novel. Sure. Right. I, I mean mystery in the sense of 
the gospel, right, right, right. Uh, God coming to his people. And, and so this, this third day uh, it is, is representative. It signifies God coming. And, you know, um, I, I, I think it's always right to draw parallels to New Testament fulfillment. In Christ Jesus, the incarnation is when God is with us officially, if you will. But the third day, the resurrection, is the day that establishes absolute clarity that all that was revealed about Christ is true, right. that God is with us. So to me, when I, when I hear a third day language, this is about God revealing himself in the mystery that causes awe and, frankly, produces faith. That, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that that especially in the context of them getting ready for something, right? I mean, there's there's and I think we're gonna see this throughout, and we're gonna see it, of course, in a really big way when Moses um doesn't merely wait um, you know, until the third day, but he's up there for 40 days preparing to receive something that that these waiting periods are suggesting that, hey, what what you're about to have revealed. As you say, it's not necessarily mysterious, or it takes like a cerebral person, like an academic, to figure it out. Right. But the deep mysteries of God, the most important things that we need to open our ears for in life. And you need time to get ready for it. <laughs> you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't just come to the mountain and you're like, oh, I'm bushed. Like, oh, God, and, and I think we can make some other connections. But uh, I think we want to take a little bit of a break here, um, a little bit early. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter 19 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. <laughs> This is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. 
If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 19 today, uh, joined today by our guest, uh, our live guest here in person again, the Reverend Dr. Alfonso O. Espinosa, Senior Pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California, uh, with whom I have the pleasure of serving, um, even as I am doing these wonderful projects like Thy Strong Word and, uh, of course, the dissertation research, uh, helping out over there, good folks at St. Paul's in Irvine. Shout out to all of you as we are away for a little bit of time. But yeah, we were just... Uh, speaking of you know going away on a trip, uh, this little trip that the Israelites were speaking uh, were taking, and uh, it, it's quite the trip. We saw at the beginning, uh, you know, this is the the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out, so it's it, they've been out in the wilderness for a few months here, um, and then after all this time of eagerly waiting to 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 see this and to experience this well they're going to have to wait a little bit more and so we were just talking about uh that three-day period that on the third day language so uh interesting we're kind of making some of the connections there Uh, i want to make sure to invite all of our listeners if you have a question for us or maybe you're seeing a connection uh, you can give us a call 1-800-730-2727 or if you're in st louis 314-821-0850 you can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org no facebook stream today lord willing getting that up uh, again soon also want to thank our underwriters at the lutheran heritage foundation foundation check them out lhfmissions.org so yeah so turning then briefly back to that third day idea um don't want to spend all the time looking at numbers uh but it, it it's interesting because uh one of the things i i learned that i didn't know for a while was that uh, on the third day seems to be an expression that's used both in the old testament and in the new testament for the day after tomorrow um, you know, which which is interesting because I know that, like in the New Testament, sometimes we get tripped up and we're saying, "Well, now hang on a second, you know, like that wasn't a full three days, right?" But when you understand that on the third day means day after tomorrow, makes makes a good deal of sense, right? Because the perspective of Friday, the crucifixion of our Lord, well, the, the day after tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. So sun goes, yeah. sun goes down. Sun so it's up. right. So it's, so it's like on Friday before the sun sets. Right. So when the sun sets on Friday, that's, that's Saturday yep. by, by Jewish reckoning. Right. That's so right. there, there's tomorrow at, yeah. at sundown and then um, sundown on Saturday begins Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that's then the day after tomorrow. Right. So, yeah. so it makes, it makes sense in that perspective. And so why, why is this whole day after tomorrow thing significant? Well, so if he's speaking to them on the first day of this new month and he says the day after tomorrow, we're going to do this. 
Well, that means there's going to be a whole day between when they're speaking and when this is going to happen. So there's going to be an entire day to just prepare. And that makes, I think, a lot of sense. That means that they have a whole day of preparation, you might say. Um, and what strikes me is that um, in the New Testament, even the day of preparation is essentially the word for Friday, that, that you need a day every week where you're going to get ready for the Sabbath in particular. And so, I mean, I, I think this complements what you were saying about mysteries. We are getting ready and preparing ourselves, not just for uh, a mystery, but we should see this as a connection of getting ready for Sabbath or for rest, which is a different way perhaps of reading the 10 words. Yeah. And I, I couldn't help but to um, think back on my research on um, confession and absolution in our tradition in the Lutheran church. I recall that uh, on Saturdays, we used to come in to confess our sins and to um, state our preparation for mm -hmm. the next day mm -hmm. in receiving the Holy Sacrament. Um, but once again, as, as you open the show and speaking about this chapter being about preparation, um, this is crucial. Uh, how will the people come before God, not only in encountering a mystery, uh, the mystery of salvation in the word of God, but doing their part, if you will, in humbling themselves before the Lord. Yeah, that, 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 is, that is interesting to you, again, making the connection to our own church practice, that there, that there would be preparation, not, not necessarily because, well, you know, you're, you're not worthy to receive this. I mean, I think, I think the unworthiness of the people is, is there, even in, I mean, what we're going to see about this whole thing about whether they can come up to the mountain, but just the idea of, you know, are, are you ready to, are you, re are you ready to receive this just in the same way, you know, are, are you ready for absolution? Are you in the right frame of mind to receive absolution? Are they in the right mind to receive these commandments and, uh, or, you know, these, these words, right. As the text actually says. So, Amen. yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a really good comment. And, you know, it, it's, a. Uh, well, you know, it kind of, it's funny, too, thinking about that. It's just like someone being on vacation. Don't you have to get ready before you can actually rest, right? Like, like if you don't get ready before, like, a day off or a vacation, well, all that stuff is just going to, like, follow you in one way or another. <laughs> You're not actually going to be able to enjoy yourself. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, same thing we're going down at the end of the day, right? Like, you got to have, like, a, a, route, a nighttime routine. You got to get ready or else your mind's going to be active and just spinning. You, you, you can't just go from 60 to zero in the same way you just can't go from zero to 60. So, uh, I, I mean, this is really kind of a, a practical thing. Like, uh, you, you can't really have rest unless you're ready for it. Um. What you're describing is a constant in the life of the Christian. Uh, as you know, we're called every day to return to our baptism. Um, well, consider that as your yesterday that prepared you for today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then now you're living in the new day. And as you, refer, as you prepare today, you'll be ready for the next. So this is a 24-7 uh, phenomenon. Certainly. I mean, um, the hearing of God's word, of course, not limited to just uh, one day a week. Uh, well, let me let me turn really quick here. So we got a we, we got a we got a question here kind of about this preparation came in uh, over the Internet via email. So so this preparation is described. Right. So uh, what, what what are they supposed to do uh, for this preparation? Well, 
there's not a lot of like description here. I mean, it says there in verse 13, the preparation is going to involve not, um, not, not touching the mountain or going up onto the mountain. So stay away while you're unprepared. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but really, I mean, as far as like, you know, descriptions here, well, they wash their garments. Uh, I think that kind of complements what you're saying about baptism. Um, and then uh, do not go near a woman. So not much in, in way of description of what this preparation looks like. Um, so so what, 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 is, uh, what does this mean here? What is this injunction about not going near a woman? Uh, what, what does that mean? What's the significance of it then? Well, I, I, I think the, the, the preparation um, is, is already being seen through Moses' preparation. Um, he, he stands, uh, you know, for God as the prophet of God, but he also stands for the people, right? The, the mediator sure. for the people. And he is the priest of the priesthood, which we'll be talking more about, hopefully. Um, so he is, in his preparation, already preparing the people of Israel. Uh -huh. and, and, and that includes much more than even what you've said, which is, of, of course, included in that. But to obey God's voice, to keep his covenant, to know in this gospel proclamation, to be God's treasured possession in the kingdom of priests, Moses is equipped this way to prepare God's people. And then is the rest of the story. For them to properly receive this proclamation of the prophet, then is the rest of what they are directly involved with. And 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 remember, part part and parcel is what they're going to witness. Right. The, the 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 thick cloud, this theophany, which is you know making them shake in their boots, and that's a good thing, because that makes us low before the living God. Um, and 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 how do how are we sustained in that fear and trembling, that that work of the law, if you will, we are sustained by being washed, by being consecrated, by being set apart, and part and parcel of that being set apart is to avoid anything that would be considered as distracting or defiling. Right. Um, intercourse, uh, not that it's a bad thing. Certainly, it's a gift from God within the covenant of holy matrimony, but. At the same time, it is associated with that which is not part of the proper preparation of the divine service. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, um, you know, you, you've talked about like our, our tradition and I mean, uh, you know, you even look in the small catechism and there's references to things like fasting before receiving the Lord's Supper. Right. And, and it was very common um, in the tradition, the Judeo-Christian tradition that we have to as a part of uh, fasting from certain kinds of food to include abstinence, sexual abstinence. So it, it seems like that's what's in view. So it, it's not, especially you look at the Hebrew form here, it, it is a, a, a prohibitive construction of don't do this thing. Um, yeah, I think the implication is, is like on that day of yeah. preparation. So it's not right. Well, we're going to necessarily separate the, the men and the women on that. That was not part of the question online. But so does this mean that, you know, we should be separating the men and the women in church? Um, I think that's actually a fine question. It's just probably not the one that the text right now is answering. <laughs> uh, but so it's not talking about about that. Like this is how you're supposed to conduct worship all the time. But it's as you were saying, it's, it's a part of this preparation, which, you know, just like Luther says, I mean, the real preparation to receive these things is faith, which, as you said, means 
it really includes all that stuff like we were talking about last time in chapter 18 that he's been teaching them and guiding them and they've been seeing all these things and god's been working faith in them all this time so all that's really been the real preparation in a way of speaking but in terms of discipline and and uh, just being in the right frame of mind and, and i guess i i think of it like you know if um if i'm going to do something really important on a particular day that's not going to be the day that i I don't know, have like uh, my big kind of Super Bowl party kind of thing right the day before, uh, where the next day I'm just, you know, like, oh, wow, I really shouldn't have eaten that. And, you know, I stayed up too late. I mean, that's not how you want to go into something important like that, you know, and yeah. And also, I think part of it, too, even, you know, and you mentioned purity and, you know, we haven't gotten to the purity laws yet. But I think the other part of it, too, is you kind of... um you kind of, I think, abstain from things and actually abstain deliberately from some of like the best things in life so that when you encounter this good thing, you appreciate it more. I think if you if you go and you have just you just like, you know, have all the material enjoyments of life on the day of preparation, then the next day comes, you're like, well, you know, this is nice, but I'd rather just repeat yesterday. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I mean, I think there is just kind of like a, a creaturely uh, kind of discipline of. If you're about to engage in the word, um, especially receive the sacrament and the absolution and things like that, um, we, we don't want to allow ourselves in that in that kind of creaturely way to be, you know, just thinking about, oh, man, yesterday was just so great. Like, you know, and, and just not to be present. We need to be in the present as we receive these good things of God. Oh, how dare you, Pastor AJ? You're, you're speaking of discipline. <laughs> are, are, are you truly a Lutheran pastor? Yeah, oh, goodness. And, and, and I love it. I, yeah. I love it because what's really happening ultimately is, is chapter 19, as we're also going to see in chapter 20 with your other guest tomorrow, is full of gospel. There's just gospel all over the right, place. Right. For example, verse 4, God says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings yep. and brought you to myself. Uh, by the way, that's where our LSB, uh, hymn number 727 comes from, on eagles' wings. And he will raise you up on eagles' wings, right? Yep. The, the, the picture there is the strong and loving God is as an eagle watching over its young. So when the young eaglet leaves the nest, the mother will fly underneath it, lest it should fall upon the rocks and be injured. This is the kind of gospel we have here in chapter 19. Now, here's the point. The gospel produces a life. Right. Okay. We're, we're not synergists. We're not saying that, you know, in order to get it right, before God does anything, we get our discipline down first. No, 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 no. God's word in God's grace, in God's spirit, in God's work, in God's action is creating discipline. When Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 speaks about piety, a pious life, think of all the things he could have mentioned. He mentions, he, he chooses to highlight three things. And I forget the exact order, but it's something like, it is something like prayer, uh -huh. almsgiving. Right. And fasting, right? <laughs> as you said, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, re remember, we, we are we are acknowledging the sanctity of marriage, um, and in all that takes place within marriage. But remember also First Corinthians chapter seven. Um, come together, uh, lest the devil tempt you. Right, but there's one exception, and what is that exception? When you need to pray right. alone with God. Right. So so there is indeed a discipline that takes place right. created by God 
for our good so that we don't kill ourselves right. as we come before holy things. Well, no, that, that, that's right. I mean, and it, re it really is just a creaturely reality. It's not like a, like, like you were saying, like me, I mean, it, it is actually produced by the gospel, in fact, because I think that it, it's in the same way that, you know, like, for instance, we're, you know, we're kind of dealing with the, the whole idea of talking about our spouses here, right? You know, when we, you know, love and treasure our spouse, I mean, that, that gives us a kind of motivation, right? We have this motivation for, uh, treasuring that time with them and the experience of being with them. And you, you even find yourself then being inspired to say like, you know, work extra hard perhaps the day before so that you can have that time alone with them because you treasure it. Right. I mean, it's, 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 that's the direction of motivation. It's because of the love uh, that that exists then from that flows the, the motivation to, to do the discipline. It's not that the discipline, uh, necessarily creates the the love the other way around, and so yeah, I mean, I think that yeah. just that idea of you know we we want to make sure that we because God is special and he because he has given us his love that we prepare ourselves so that we can appreciate that and it, it takes some time to clear your head, um kind of take a deep breath um, and get in the right right frame of mind so that you can be present in the same way that for all our relationships, right like you don't want to be talking to your wife all the time when you have a, a phone in your hand all the time. I mean, you know, I mean, you want to give her your undivided attention. So this is, this is about God giving, um, being given our undivided attention, as you were saying though, for our own benefit um, so that we can take in that beautiful imagery, like in the hymn of, of being born up on Eagle's wings and, and then the rest. Um, yeah. Yeah, I th yeah. I think that's, that's crucial insight uh, that it begins, you know, we're, we're taught uh, in seminary about uh, wonderful Walther's instruction about law and gospel, but Walther also teaches that this is not about a a, a, a strict outline. Um, we are to preach God's word according to the text, and sometimes you're going to get gospel first, right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe law, then back to gospel. Well, this is about beginning with the gospel, because later on, when when the people come back and respond. Uh, at verse eight, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Hmm. Okay. And in, in taken in a positive way, yeah, that comes out of God proclaiming to Moses about them. Who are they? His treasured possession. Right. When you know that you are treasured by God, that he, he holds you, he loves you. What does that produce? It produces a life of discipline. Right. Now, unfortunately, when we get to verse 8, a, another way that, that those words could be taken, according to the old man, is that we're going to go back to law. We're going to go back to depending ourselves. We're going to be like Pharaoh again, who in right. chapter 15 said, I will, I will, I will, I will. If, and, 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 of course, we have to guard against that tendency and get back to the right meaning. This is a response to the gospel that God creates. Okay, well, so let's let's talk about then the people's response here, um, because this is uh, this is interesting. I actually really do enjoy reading some of the critical commentaries, uh, the ones that are saying like you know like oh because you know this part was inserted later and this part is from the P source and stuff like that. Um, not because I, I, I endorse it all, but because uh, I, I like how they're taking seriously some of the challenges in the text, right? And, and one of the challenges that um, I don't think you have to explain by necessarily re resorting to um, like different sources, but I think it's a, it's a challenge that we should 
stop and really ponder, right, um, is is these different responses because initially. Um, you get you get this command from God through Moses, um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm coming down to the mountain, uh, bring bring all the people. Um, and, and initially, I, I guess it, it seems like the command is that uh, they're they're all going to come up. Right. They're, they're all going to uh, come and do this. I mean, it's, it seems like just the way I'm reading it here. Um, Mm-hmm. But but then it seems you know so so it seems like okay this this is kind of the initial reaction, but but then the reaction of the people seems to be well actually we we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to do this so uh, what what's going on with the people's reaction and, and how I guess it seems to to change. Yeah, it, it it does change and and it's multiform because we are simul justus et peccator we we have the. The, the two eyes, right? And, um, you know, Chemnitz, uh, when he describes what's going on at verse 8, says, quote, God restrains this arrogance by manifesting their sin and his wrath by the voice of the law. So, you know, on, on the one hand, the I will uh, is, yeah, I'm going to go, yeah, I got it, God, right. and, and I'll go up. And, and, and if we keep that spirit, uh, we're going to want to go up because, you know what? We can be like God, and we're getting back to that original sin. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, when we receive it rightly, we are humbled. We are humbled, and we see that this is the awesome God revealing himself. <laughs> and this causes fear and trembling in the best sense of the word. And this causes say, you know what? Maybe I'm going to obey when he says, don't even touch the mountain, because no one can see God and live. And that's a holy reaction that comes from God to the new man. So, I mean, that's really interesting. And I think, you know, um, it is helpful to, to think about, of course, you know, we are not, as you were saying, totally consistent beings ourselves, right? You know, saint and sinner, we have these, these impulses that are just going different directions. Um, but that there is, like, in a sense, I, I mean, I like what you're saying because there is a sense of kind of reading their different reactions, both in a, in a positive light. That you know, initially, you know, Moses says, "Hey, this is what you're going to do," right? And and they they answer with enthusiasm. Uh, you know, they have seen all the goodness of God. You know, and that's you know, of course, right? Um, but then, as you were saying, you know, so where where was it? So initially, uh, you know, Moses says, Moses in verse seven, you know, goes and he talks to the people, um, tells them all this, and they say, "Okay, like." Sounds like a plan, right? Sounds like a date, verse eight, right? All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Um, uh, but but then when when Moses goes and he gives this uh, this fuller revelation about you know like you were saying, just you now hang on, like uh, let's let's make sure you understand just how holy uh, this is, <laughs> and just you know how much you really do need to get ready for this. Then right, you you get that that next reaction, and isn't it interesting too that. I, I mean, it's like God even makes the first move there, I think, because um, where is it? It's there in uh, you, you, in verse 19, you get the trumpet grows louder. God's answering in the thunder. Um, but then, you know, it's in verse 21, go down and warn the people. Right. So so it seems like God is very graciously anticipating that. OK, uh, now they've had a chance to kind of think this over to prepare themselves for a day. Right. And, and now they know that this is actually as close as they need to go. That's right. And, and God is doing this all for their own good. Um, 
so which is why, for example, we, we practice um, close communion, close communion to prepare people for the sacrament. But in all of this, proper preparation, um, what is it for? And, and here, I'm going to jump back just for a second to the earlier verses yeah. at verse 4 and 5. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings, brought you to myself. I already mentioned the imagery of the eagles. Yeah. But verse 5. Now, therefore, as a result, right, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine. Then verse six, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The people of Israel had been experiencing up up to this point, the prophet priest is Moses. Right. But now in this gospel, God is taking pains for this great preparation so that the people of Israel would have his voice, his word before them, be in covenant relationship with God for a purpose, to be a kingdom of priests. And just as Moses stood between God and the people of Israel, now the people of Israel would stand between God and the rest of the world. Well... And that's really okay. Let's talk a little bit about this priesthood idea, um, because we see the big picture that Israel is supposed to be this this kingdom of priests, as you were saying. That Israel is going to be interceding for the whole world, uh, and that, of course, is going to really come to fruition in the Lord Jesus Christ. How the ultimate true Son of Israel intercedes for the whole world and draws all people to Himself. That's that's the big picture. In this small picture, though, um, we have God commanding that, hey, these are, my, these are my priests. You've consecrated them. And this is very similar to the language when, when Moses and Aaron are going to consecrate the priests right. in numbers, right? Right. So, so they consecrate these, these people who are to be the priests. And God says, uh, you know, hey, it's like it's time to, you know, uh, it's, time to, it's time to come near, right? It's, what's it say there? Um, Let's see, in verse 22, also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, right? So initially, there seems to be some kind of, like, priests are going to go forward. Um, but then Moses says, uh, well, I, I don't think so. And so what happens? In verse 24, God says, go down and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord. So, I mean, it, it seems to me like Aaron is going up in place of the priests and the people. Hmm. And so what's that say about Aaron here, lest we solely focus on Moses? Well, you know, I was when, when, when I mentioned Moses, I, I was uh, bold to say prophet and priest, but I, I was um, expressing myself in a broad view, sure, because sure, who, sure. who's always alongside of Moses? Uh-huh. Aaron the priest, <laughs> right? And and I love what, I think where you're driving at because uh, you mentioned numbers and we we were together talking about numbers before, right? And as the Ark of the Covenant was being carried, I don't care who you were, you obeyed that law. Nobody was to touch it. Mm-hmm. So even the priests who are consecrated are continually humbled. <laughs> even the priests need preparation. And if they neglect that preparation, remember the high priest's sons who yep. neglected the, the fire? Nahab and Abu. Exactly. Uh, so, so this is a reminder that even with these offices established, we must continue to come before God in humility and reverence and faith 
and not be sloppy about what we do. Jesus calls us friends now. It doesn't mean that he calls us buddies so that we would be unprepared before mm-hmm. him. Yeah, no, I really like that 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 connection, that idea that okay, you know, we because we because we talk this way and we we sometimes really relish this, and it's it's good too that you know we are the people of faith, we are God's people, the family of Abraham in in the church. We are the people, the kingdom of priests, you know, and we and we talk about that. We talk about the royal priesthood, and that's good. But this picture shows, right? Okay, well, they're a kingdom of priests. <laughs> that's what he said, right? But even the literal priests don't go up, just Aaron. That's right. I mean, and so just to, to appreciate that, that, okay, yes, in the New Testament, we're called the kingdom of priests. That doesn't negate, however, that we have to have our greater Aaron mm-hmm. going up in our place, ultimately, to make intercession still in the Holy of Holies, right? as it Amen. describes in Hebrews, that you know, just because, okay, we're priests, that doesn't mean that, you know, oh, we, we don't need any intercessor, right? You know, sometimes I've, I've, I've heard these... Uh, I hear I hear these summaries of, of Christian doctrine or, or even Lutheran doctrine. Like Luther said, oh, well, you guys don't actually need intercession. You guys don't actually need like a mediator. You don't need a priest. And I just say to myself, that's that's not reading Christian theology right at all. Because, I mean, what's the purpose of the Lord Jesus if he's not the priest and the mediator? He is the priest and he is the mediator. And he reminds us of that by the way he establishes the church. So scripture clearly, as you well know, in First Peter 2.9 calls us Christians now, right, a royal priesthood. Right. Uh, but to follow Luther's royal, royal family analogy, that priesthood is surrounding the word and the sacrament, the office that feeds them. So we have to get back to Ephesians chapter 4 that describes one of the gifts given to the church. For example, pastor and teacher. This is a reminder that Christ is mediator. The pastor in and of, in and of himself is just a sinful and can do nothing in and of himself. The office that he serves is the mediator. First uh, Peter 3.15, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts as holy, always being prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that is within you, do it with gentleness and respect. We have all Christians um, this wonderful ministry of sharing the gospel, but we can't forget that those same Christians need to come consistently and frequently before the high priest who feeds right. them with his body and blood. That's right. Well, and, and you see also, too, um, you know, to, to your point that Moses is, broadly speaking, still in this intercessory priestly role, even in verse 23. It's Moses who says that the people can't come up, right? It, Moses didn't say, all right, everybody, come on up. Uh, to the altar if you feel prepared and, you know, stay back if you don't, right? I mean, Moses is the one who's actually making the determination there. So, I mean, I, I've deliberately made an allusion to pastoral sub-priests under the royal priest. Um, only a few minutes left. I just want to make sure we get to a couple things. Kind of kind of quick, though. Okay, so what exactly do the people see and hear? And, and what's, what's the point there? This is kind of interesting because God says that he actually wants the people to hear. Isn't that interesting? So what exactly are the people hearing and what's God accomplishing with that? Well, um, this needs me to no end, Pastor AJ, is is this trumpet. Yeah. Who's blowing that thing? Yeah. And and that takes me back, you know, you you mentioned some of the illusions of Revelation, but it takes me back to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 17 on, on, on the coming of Christ. 
and and there's the, 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 we we leave apocalyptic literature here in First Thessalonians four. What's going to happen? And there's a trumpet blast. Yeah. What is that trumpet blast for? It wakes you up. It yeah. gets your attention. Well, it, it announces royal fanfare that announces the coming of the king, right? Exactly. I mean, in, in verse 9, isn't that just interesting that it says there that the people may hear when I speak to you and may also believe you forever. Now, what we're going to see is that the people aren't actually understanding the voice of God. Right. Uh, they need Moses to interpret. It just sounds like thunder yep. when he speaks. Yep. Uh, but the point is, right, right there, right, that they, uh, what's it say, when I speak with you, and may also believe you yep. forever. This That's is right. that voice that comes down out of heaven. Um, this is that revelation on the Mount of Transfiguration that we would know who to put our faith in. And so Moses is being given credentials that um, are far above his own pay grade. And so uh, similarly, when the people in the New Testament context, we see this coming with Jesus, when we see these signs, the point is, hey, this is the guy we need to be listening to. And, we, yeah. we, we still need him. He has to interpret. By the way, that, that connects chapter 18 and 19. Jethro got to see the credentials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see, and I heard about what happened back in Egypt, right? right? And, and, and now, again, the people need to see the credentials. Mm -hmm. And so this is exactly what's happening. I love your royal fanfare imagery. And even if they don't understand what they do know, that when Moses gets to it and translates— they're going to listen to him because God is speaking. That's right. And we've seen just again and again how they've been so inclined to challenge Moses, you know, whether it's because he was an outsider or, uh, you know, for whatever other reason. Uh, but this is just God again and again saying, hey, look, um, even though we know that you're unworthy and they're aware of that keenly, I'm going to show them that they need to listen to you, not because of, uh, you know, who, who you are, and how great you are, uh, but because they know who you're talking Amen. So, uh, yeah, so certainly it's, uh, yeah, the, the, the Lord Jesus being foreshadowed in Moses here. Thank you so much, man. We, man, these two chapters just flew by. Really looking forward to looking at the Ten Commandments, so, but thank you for being the guest two days in a row. What a privilege and a joy it was, son. Thanks for having me. Everybody, Pastor, the Reverend Dr. Alfonso O. Espinosa, Paul's Lutheran Church in Irvine, California. Until next time, everybody, and Pastor H. Espinosa, peace. The official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.